You're listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. Amen. Would you guys just stand in honor Apostle Ryan Lipstrange? And at any point in time during the service, because I almost forgot, um, you can give, you can text one word Bridge Metro West to the number 77977, and we'll send you a secure link. You can give responsibly by credit card or debit card. You can write checks out to the bridge. There's a basket in the back, and you can place uh, the checks back there, and, um, and we'll do this. It's going to be amazing. I, I, we already know you guys have a, a spirit of radical generosity, so let's do that today. Amen. Awesome. Let's go. Love you. Amen. Amen. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Wow. What an amazing worship time. What an amazing uh, weekend it's been. I just got to come in last night and catch the last night of the conference. It was so powerful. Um, in case you weren't here, Prophet Nate uh, preached on Friday night and was amazing. And then as uh, Pastor said, Pastor Paul, that Owen and Brittany hosted the conference and so many people came from all over. So it was so amazing. And I want to thank Pastor Paul and Pastor Debbie for hosting and all that they've done and just being phenomenal leaders in this area. We give them a big hand. Amen. We appreciate them so much. Okay, before we get into the word, I want to mention a few things. There's some of my books and products out there. Um, they brought me several to just share with you quickly. This is a book that I really, really love. I wrote this a number of years ago, Supernatural Access. And I wrote this to be something that you would use to activate yourself in the supernatural. So there's, you know, there's, I think, a section on prophetic dreams. There's sections on healing. Uh, many different topics I cover in here. But the thing I did in this book that was distinctly different is I gave an act Activation at the end of each chapter. So you don't just read it, but you activate in it. And I've had so many testimonies from this book. So I would encourage you to get it if you want to grow in the supernatural. And then this book is a very unusual book. I never wrote about anything like this before. The Jacobet anointing, or some people would say Jacobet, that's Moses' mother. And the Lord began to show me 15 mysteries in studying her life and the development of Moses. 15 mysteries to destiny. One of the mysteries I cover is the mystery about of being hidden. Anybody ever felt like you were hidden? And that's such a challenging thing, right? When you feel called, you feel anointed, but yet you feel hidden. And so I just take on these 15 mysteries one by one, and it'll really, really bless your life. I think it's one of the better books I've written. So that's out there as well. And then I love this little book. I found out that the average uh, man likes to read about 10,000 words. Those books are 50,000 up. Those are the ones I wrote with Charisma. Uh, this is a self-published book. So I started, I said, okay, I want to write some 10,000 word books because I want people to get these books and be able to read them. I don't want you to have a big book and you don't ever read the book. Or if you do what I do, I buy books and read them two thirds of the way through and then feel like, okay, I'm tired of this book. They wrote like three chapters too much, right? So these little books are so simple. This one is called Prayer Assault, Prayer Strategies That Cause Hell to Quake. And um, this 
book really, I'm shocked how many scriptures are in this book. This will fuel your prayer life and take it to the next level, but it's small, it's easy. Ladies, you can carry it in your purses and really be blessed by that. And then I love this. I think every one of you should get this. So I began to say when I would travel, I would begin to say, I'm going to do three things. I'm going to preach. I'm going to pray. I'm going to prophesy. And now, you know, you got deep saints that they're, they're, they're the Facebook theologians. I had a lady write to me and said, that's out of order. You got to pray and then preach and then prophesy. And I said, I'm not talking about your personal life. This became a statement of, of what we like to do or what we feel called to do in our ministry, to preach, to pray, to prophesy. We're talking about praying for the people of God. Amen. So uh, I love this shirt. My staff redesigned it. We had one that uh, people just loved. And then we thought we needed a new concept. So that's on the table as well. I'd love for you to get that and just be blessed. Amen. All right. How many of you are prophetic? My God, how many of you are born again? All right, there we go. How many feel with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit lives in you. Then guess what? If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're prophetic. Amen. So I want to I want to speak this morning about dimensions of the prophetic anointing dimensions of the prophetic anointing and I want to share for those of you that have been students of the prophetic for many years you're going to know some of this stuff or maybe all of this stuff but you know it's not what we've heard it's what we do amen so I, I you know, there's nothing new under the sun there's nothing in the Bible that's new we just keep discovering it with a different angle so I want to minister if you have a Bible let's turn to Acts 19 if you have a an Apple device, click there. If you have a droid, we'll pray in tongues for you and you'll get there by next week. Amen. Acts 19, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to pray as you're turning. Father, I thank you for the word of God. It's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, Lord, anoint my lips of clay to speak today as the oracle of God to your people to help them, to strengthen them, to encourage them, and to increase them. I thank you for a release of the prophetic anointing that we are not simply to prophesy. We are not simply to, to go and receive a prophecy, but God, you created us to be a prophetic people, that we live in a time and space that is to be filled with your voice and the recognition of what you're saying. And I pray today for an increase of prophetic understanding, an increase of our prophetic paradigm, an increase of our prophetic uh, metric, God, that you would take us deeper into the voice of heaven. You would take us deeper into the spirit of seeing and knowing. I pray today that every assignment over your people that is demonic would be cut off in the name of Jesus. I render every attack of the devil null and void over their lives and I thank you, God, that out of this New England region. There is a prophetic people arising. They will not be bullied by the devil. They will not be intimidated. I bind the spirit of fear. You've not given unto us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I thank you today in the name of Jesus for the increase of your anointing. I hear the spirit of the Lord say, oh yes, I'm increasing my anointing upon you. Oh yes, I'm increasing the flow of my anointing from you. For even as this church is stepping into a new season of evangelism. So shall you step into a new season of personal awakening, says the Lord. I'll be, visit you in the night season and I will speak unto you. Many of you will have night visions and night dreams, says the Spirit of God. And you will be awakened to what I would say to you in this season, in this hour. For you are going forth not just as my hands, but you are going forth as my mouth. And you will prophesy even on the street, saith the Lord. And you will win the lost as you prophesy 
right to them and you connect them to heaven by speaking my word over their life. So Father, I pray today for an activation, a release and an increase of prophetic anointing in Jesus' mighty name and all the people of God said, amen, amen. Acts 19 verse number one. And it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. I want you to notice he found disciples. Finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He asked them a question. Since you got saved, since you became a disciple, have you received the Holy Ghost? Let's read on. And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Let's read on. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him whom have come after him, that is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied. Now, for many years, I would read that scripture, and I would, I would notice that Paul was speaking to disciples. Many times people say, well, you know, he was just going and speaking to people that were not yet converted. No, he was speaking to disciples. This tells me that you can be a disciple, but not yet receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which we would call Pentecost, where the Holy Ghost fills you, and you get a new prayer language. But you don't just get a new prayer language. You get the mind of God operating in your life. You get the John 7 37 rivers of living water flowing out of you and so for many years I would tell people look you can be in a church and maybe you're like these disciples you don't even know if there be any Holy Ghost because your pastor never told you about the Holy Ghost you could go to church and you don't even know about speaking in tongues because the church doesn't preach on speaking in tongues it's amazing how many spirit-filled churches don't preach on speaking in tongues you can go in and you say, well, I heard about the Holy Ghost. Well, if you want to get the Holy Ghost, you got to go with Sister Martha into the closet. She fills people back there because we don't want to fill people on Sunday morning because they'll get nervous. It's amazing. People watch Ghost Hunters, Charmed, Supernatural, Teen Werewolf, and nobody's concerned about people getting scared about the supernatural. People go to psychics, tarot card readers, they burn sage in their home, and nobody gets concerned about the supernatural. But then the church starts talking about prophecy and the Holy Ghost. And someone says, well, you know what? It's going to scare people. I found out the real prophetic anointing doesn't scare people. It helps people. It blesses people. Amen. And so he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, we've not even heard as there be any such thing as the Holy Ghost. You can go to church all your life and miss certain blessings from God. You could go to church and never hear about healing. And you get cancer and die because you didn't go to a house to believe to lay hands on you and pray for you. Someone said, well, what if you lay hands and they don't get healed? But what if you lay hands and they do get healed? Amen. I want to be in the company of faith. And so he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. This should explain to us how people receive the Holy Ghost. We lay hands on them. It didn't say they waited 12 hours. It didn't say they had to go through a special ritual. 
They just got hands laid on them and they received the Holy Ghost and spake with tongues. And so for many years I would tell people, the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost is you speak with tongues, right? You get filled and tongues comes out of you. But there's another portion here. The Bible said they spake with tongues and prophesied. So spirit-filled folks should be prophesying. We should be prophetic people. There's dimensions of the prophetic grace living in us. Prophecy is not just for prophets. Sometimes we say, well, I'm not prophetic. If you're born again and the Holy Ghost lives in you, just like you speak in tongues, you should be prophesying. What do you mean, Ryan? You should be speaking the mind of God. You should be speaking the strength of God. You should be speaking hope in the middle of a hopeless time. You should be speaking faith in the midst of fear. You should be speaking solutions. I call prophetic people solutionists. We are solutionists. We are strategic people placed by God in times and seasons to frame the time and season with the word of the Lord. We are an Issachar people that we discern the time and the season. We're not unaware of the time and the season. And right now there's an intense battle for our minds. What will we focus on? We're living in, a, in the midst of an offended generation. People are so offended about everything. Amen. They're offended about what you think about the world. They're offended about where you live. People are offended about whether you wear a mask, don't wear a mask. People are offended whether you got a shot, didn't get a shot. People are offended whether you voted, didn't vote. They're offended who you voted for, who you didn't vote for. Some people believe, well, you know, this person got elected and they didn't get put in and I'm believing God and other people believe they're deceived and we're just living in a time where the spirit of offense is taking people out. I've had people block me and unfriend me. One church I preached for many times and really helped them build and labor revival. Uh, they all unfriended me and I said to some, why did they unfriend? And they said, I don't know. They're kind of just on a thing that if people are prophesying politically what they think they're unfriending them and I said how crazy is that that we wouldn't be kingdom people we're not going to get to heaven and Jesus says all the Republicans line up here come over here I'm going to put you in charge of the treasury all the Democrats line up come over here I'm going to put you in charge of social programs that's not going to happen. God's not going to say, all the, all, the, uh, all the British people, come over here. All the American people, come over here. All the Chinese people. He's not going to do that. Why? Because there's something greater than culture, and that's called the kingdom. And prophetic people have got to be kingdom people. We cannot be people who are just present problem after problem after problem. And we have to be cautious because we will begin to manifest the spirit of the age. And the spirit of the age is the spirit of offense that people are just offended. And it's amazing. The thing I've noticed about offended people is they have no solution to the problem. They're just offended. And sometimes we think that's prophetic. I've seen prophets that will get up and prophesy. And I think to myself, they didn't say anything. They told me about a problem. But there's no solution. Like, I just don't believe that God that sits on the throne in heaven says, okay, Ryan, there's going to be an earthquake. It's going to tear the town apart. And that's all I get. 
like at least there's going to be a prayer burden, right? There's going to be some kind of redemption in the prophetic voice of the Lord. So I want you to see this. When we get filled with the Holy Ghost, not only are we called to speak with tongues, but we are called to prophesy. Now I want to go on a little bit further. You are by nature prophetic as a son and daughter of God. What did he say? I'm, I'm talking about dimension of the prophetic. So if you're taking notes, you could write this. Sons and daughters of God are by nature prophetic. In other words, what I want to say to you, it's not what we do, it's who we are. When you begin to understand this, you will discern the time different. You will see things different. In Acts chapter 2, what did he say? He said, it'll come to pass in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. There's three things there. There's oritative prophecy that he said, your sons and daughters are going to speak. They're going to prophesy. The young men are going to have visions. They're going to be swept up into the third dimension, and they're going to begin to see things that are not of this earth. The old men are going to begin to dream dreams, which is simply a vision happening in the night season. They're going to have prophetic dreams. So all three of these things were promised to the sons and daughters of God. They were not promised to people outside of covenant. They were promised to people inside of covenant. So as a son or daughter of God, I should expect my life to be prophetic. Let me give it to you another way. Instead of me just looking to prophesy... I should come into recognition that my journey is prophetic. We need to be so prophetic that if I said, okay, we're going to activate right now, that I could say, uh, what is your name? Matthias. My God, you got to be prophetic with a name like that. I mean, you don't have like a regular name. That I could say, Matthias, I want you to prophesy and be inspired by that box of tissues. And Matthias could just look at that box and say, okay, the Lord says he's wiping off the pain. He's wiping your tears away. The Lord said the season you've been through a difficulty, it's been broken. The Lord says he is giving you support. The Lord says he is cleansing you. Why? Because we live in a prophetic realm. Then I could say, what is your name, sister? Missy, okay, you got an easy one. I could say, Missy, I look at the vase and prophesy. And she would look at the vase and say, I'm filling up your empty well, says the Lord. I'm giving new growth and new life. I'm going to cause refreshing to come unto you. I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to cause overflow. Then I could look at Nate and say, Prophet Nate, pro take the hand sanitizer and prophesy. The Lord says, I'm killing every bacteria and germ coming in a spiritual sense in your life. I'm destroying the yoke of the enemy. I'm bringing cleansing unto you that we literally begin to view the world through a prophetic lens, that our journey is prophetic, that our lives are prophetic, that, that God is speaking to us in every season of our life. When we don't feel like God is speaking, he's speaking. When we don't understand how God is speaking, he's speaking. Many times people will say to me, well, Ryan, I, God just doesn't speak to me like that. And I say to them, the voice of God is always speaking. It's just the methodology in which he's speaking to you or through you may be uncommon for you when I teach in school the prophets we always teach a session called prophetic tech prophetic technology because the voice of God flows through a variety of frequencies if you get a, a dream as you know because I know this church was founded by one of the great dream interpreters it's not always plain most dreams are very ambiguous in a sense and people get freaked out. Well, if God's speaking to me, why does he give a mystery? God doesn't hide mysteries from you. He reserves mysteries for you. Our journey as sons and daughters is to journey with God into his heart and into his mind. 
When I preach and God does something in the life of a person, for me it's a journey. We were having our pop-up in Atlanta and many things happened. I don't remember all of them. We're building an apostolic hub there, so we're having pop-ups every month. And we were having our pop-up and people had come from all over the nation. But there was one young lady that God just began to direct my attention to her. And the Lord said, just get down on your knees in front of her. She needs to be encouraged and just speak hope into her life. And I began to hear, feel the Father heart of God for her. And we, she began to weep and weep. But God, as I was speaking to her, was taking me on a journey into his heart and revealing his heart of compassion and love for people as a son or daughter of God he invites us to discover who he is through prophetic ministry and prophetic living it's not just what we say it's who we are Romans eight fourteen as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons and daughters of God so the first dimension of the prophetic is identification that, that, that we understand it's our identity to be prophetic. We are not permitted as believers to be non-prophetic. So we have to break this mindset of, well, that's only for some people. No, the solutions and the strategies that God wants to give us for everybody in his kingdom. We have an unfair advantage over the world in that we have inside information. You know, pastor was asking me, we were talking about this last two years. I've been preaching 25 plus years. None of us have ever seen anything like this. Now, I find it amusing because people say certain things. And if you go study history, they said the same thing in prior times. In the late 1800s, there was a terrible pandemic that was happening. And the nation of Canada began to mandate vaccines. And there was a group of French Canadians that said, we will not take it. And they began to literally physically fight. And there was this whole thing. And the church started preaching, it's the mark of the beast. It's the mark of the beast. It's amazing how many marks we've had. You know, the barcode was the mark of the beast. Yet nobody thinks about your social security number. When you get right. I saw a preacher say, well, this vaccination is the mark of the beast because, you know, and I'm not preaching pro or anti. I'm just making a point. He said, because you're not going to be able to trade without it. You can't get a credit card without a, a social security number. You can't get nothing without it. So why don't we ever think in that way? Or like I saw someone say, you get that shot. You're up in the cloud. You're already up in the cloud with your phone. They track you. Have you, I've said to my wife, boy, I'd like to go. I'd like to go to Hawaii. Get on my phone and an ad comes up for Hawaii. It's the reality of the world that we live in, right? So to be for prophetic, we, we are solutionists. But we, we're living in a time that we've never been in before. It's the most uncomfortable time. And I'm not saying I like any of this stuff. I'm just saying it's the reality of the age that we're in, that we're making tough and difficult decisions and everybody's got a divergent opinion and this group says that and that group says this and there's all of this fear and anxiety and then there's a real world issue going on at the same time and people's lives are being affected and it's such a challenging time to live in but I was saying to pastor I said for us it was so interesting because prior to the beginning of the pandemic God had spoken to me to do this thing called the grow and basically it was a prophetic worship and preaching something like that gathering but in my home 
And I wrestled with this because I never did anything like this. It seemed like I was moving backwards. I said, like, I'm going from conferences and stadiums and churches now into my house. People are going to make fun of me. Like, why is he doing this? But the Lord told me, I want you to take revival from your house to people's houses. And I want you to stream it live around the world. And I remember the first night that we did the groan. I, I asked people to email their prayer requests. And my staff said, why would you do that? They could tweet them to you. They could Facebook. I said, because the, the, the average person, it is significant to them to know that they're at home and they send a prayer request and it touches your hands. It moves the hearts of people. Not so much that it moves God, it just moves people because they feel there's a sense of connection. Our Google email broke because so many prayer requests were coming in. We started to have grown groups. I think one, one month we had over 400 groups around the world meeting in their homes. And we were getting testimonies, children being filled with the Holy Ghost. God was moving. So God took us into the home and from the home to homes. And it was something we had never done before. Then the pandemic begins and the, the church is shut down and we're all in homes. But guess what? We were ahead of time. So in our ministry, there was literally no impact. There was literally no effect. We, we, we weren't stressed out about anything. Why? Because the voice of God had already shown up. And through our identity as sons and daughters. Now, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't get a word of the Lord about that. My friend Joshua Giles had a word of the Lord about it and he prophesied there was coming an economic calamity and a crisis that would be deep and something we've never seen before and he gave that word prior to 2020 but we didn't have that word. We just had the one part that applied to us. Begin to take revival digitally from your home to homes. I'm saying that to say this, that when you have a prophetic spirit, God will begin to reveal to you that which is to come. We know in part, we prophesy in part. You may not get the whole thing. You get the part you need to get for your assignment in the thing. Amen. I want to go on to the next dimension. Prophecy and the prophetic anointing is a building anointing. So if you're taking notes, you can write down it's a building anointing. Prophecy without building is incomplete. Prophets are called to be builders. Ephesians 2.20 said the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall and he said the one with the trumpet is by me. The prophetic anointing is a building anointing. What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 14, he that prophesied, verse 3, speaketh unto men edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now the word edification, we get edifice from. So God uses the prophetic anointing to build. Churches need building prophets. They need prophets because Jeremiah tells us there are four negative things to root out, to pull down, to throw down before you get to build in the plant. But there are many prophets that they only do the four things. You ever been around prophets that after they preach, you just want to like go home and take some medication and go to sleep because you're so depressed? I'm serious. Or you've been around prophets like I'm an Ezekiel prophet and they're just hellfire and brimstone and hellfire and brimstone, but you're not built up. Prophecy will tear out things in your life. It'll tear down things in a region. It'll tear down things, maybe even a church. There will be some tough stuff when we enter into a prophetic realm, but there's a building anointing that the spirit of prophecy builds us. It builds us individually. And so one of the things we've got to understand about the prophetic dimension, it's a building dimension. How did God create everything that was ever created? Everything that is ever seen, he spoke it out of his mouth. 
The spirit of faith is the prophetic anointing. We believe in our heart and therefore we speak. Well, how can you say that's prophetic? Because Romans 10, 17 said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word word there is not logos, which means written. It's rhema, which means spoken. Sometimes I go to a region and think I just don't ever want to live in this region. I just don't like it. I was in one state and I told the state the other night and I felt like people got offended. So I won't say it again. But I was in the state and I was just like, God, if you get me out of here, I'm never coming back. It was just such a challenging state. But the people that were there had believed with all their hearts God was going to move in that state. They had faith for something I didn't have faith for. Why? Because God had spoken to them. When God speaks to you, faith is released in your spirit. And you begin to believe what God already said is finished. And you don't prophesy from a dimension of trying to bring it into being. You become fully persuaded as Abraham was. That what God had spoken, he was able also to perform. You become convicted that what God said is what he's going to do. And I believe one of the things the prophetic anointing does, it builds in climates and territories and regions because the conviction of the promise becomes more real in the hearts of people than the problem. The prophetic anointing is a building anointing. The next thing I want you to know is the prophetic anointing will strengthen and encourage you. And I would use the same scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. So a lot of times people think, well, if I start to prophesy, you know, I'm not getting names or addresses. There's a guy in our network that will get up and prophesy and be like, what does 2-13-85 mean? Oh my God, it's my birthday. And then it'll be like, Apostle Ryan, you want to prophesy? I'm like, I'm good. I don't have anything. No, I'm good. You're calling out, who is Marie? Oh, it's my, it's my mother-in-law. What, what does Nunez mean to you? Oh my God, it's my last name. Like, I don't, I know I'm good. I don't have anything to say. Why? Because that's not my realm. That's not the place that God uses me. And sometimes we can be intimidated to prophesy because we see other people's gifts and we think, well, what I have is not as significant as that. Do you know what a powerful word it is when you just walk up to someone and say, hey, I feel like the Lord is strengthening you. I feel like the Lord wants to say thank you for your faithfulness. I feel like the Lord is bringing you out of this season of dryness you've been and bringing you into a new season. And a lot of times people say, I don't even know where to start in the prophetic. Get scriptures. You get a scripture and you start prophesying scriptures to people and let the Lord inspire you according to that scripture and you start to use that as a diving board to jump off. You begin to encourage people. The prophetic anointing is an encouraging anointing. When you get around prophetic people, you should not leave like scratching your head like, oh my gosh, I don't understand. You ever had someone prophesy to you? I had a lady prophesy to me. I just see a, a, a white horse in a field of yellow lilies. And I'm like, okay, like great. What does that mean? I don't know. I always tell emerging prophets, please don't go prophesy. I don't know prophecies to someone. I understand sometimes you're going to see weird things and you, you're not going to be sure. And it will mean something to the person. But a lot of times I feel like we don't spend enough time simmering on the prophecy to try to get wisdom. Okay, Lord, I got part, but I don't have the rest part. Because it's bad when we just bring confusion to people. So when the lady gave me that word, I'm like, anything else? No, and I'm thinking, okay, that's like on the shelf, like somewhere deep in the back file because I have no idea what it means. I can't be strengthened if I don't have clarity what it means. I can't be encouraged if I don't have clarity what it means. 
I tell emerging prophetic people when you begin to get words of knowledge, which is a revelation of a current situation or circumstance. So maybe like I would start getting words of knowledge. I want to heal her shoulder socket. Well, I mean, I would just lay hands and pray because the Bible, that's doctrine. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. But I found in the realm of miracles, sometimes God would give you an instruction to partner with one of the gifts of the Spirit. It might be a working miracle. Like, I want you to take her arm and move it. Or I want you to pray this way. I want you to wrap a prayer cloth around her. Or whatever it might be. So I began to ask the Lord, once I got a word of knowledge, Lord, is there a word of wisdom to go with the word of knowledge? Is there a strategy for how you want to do the thing you're revealing to me? And I believe this is one of the ways we encourage and strengthen people in the prophetic is we get strategy. We need strategy. Another thing the prophetic anointing does, we're talking about dimensions. It warns and watches. Now I want to kind of stay here for a minute because this would be a controversial area, right? One of the words in the Old Testament associated with the prophetic is the word shamar. Anybody ever heard shamar? It means to watch to guard, to keep, to be a watchman. You know in the Song of Solomon when all the times you see the word watch there. The word watch is the word shamar. And this is all throughout scripture in the Old Testament associated with prophets. It means to watch, to guard, to keep, to be a watchman. So the prophetic anointing is a watchman anointing. Now do people abuse this? Yes, there are people that abuse this. But, but, but there is a place and a space for a watchman anointing in the prophetic that when the devil starts to come in and disrupt the plan of God maybe in a local church somebody comes in and they've got an evil intent and nobody discerns it and you're on the prophetic team and you begin to sense by the spirit of the Lord you need to watch out for that that you begin to pray now if you're not in a position of authority to address it and this is the challenge I wrote an ebook called Help My Church as a Demon Because I was preaching in a church one time that I was on staff at. And it had a very high ceiling. And I was preaching. And in the middle of preaching, I looked up. And I saw a black figure, like shadowy figure in the high ceiling. And I knew it was a demonic entity. And I said, I bind. And the Spirit of the Lord said, stop. I said, stop what? He said, you're not the authority over the house here. And the authority over the house here has permitted that demon to be here. So all you can do is bind its operation in your life, but you don't have the authority to evict that spirit. That was a challenge for me. And so I went through a process of discerning from the Lord as somebody that was on a staff. How do I handle, I know something that is very negative about this church, but I'm not releasing authority to deal with what I know. Anybody ever been in that situation? So I wrote about it, help my church as a demon. And I give counsel to people who are in churches or ministries that discern something, but you're not in authority. You're not the deciding person. I remember one time I worked for a person and I was working for this preacher and they brought on a staff member that had left and come back. And I said, listen, I just, I got to tell you, I really feel there's something bad wrong with this staff member. I don't, I don't have the clarity on it, but I feel like you're vulnerable here and this is going to be a problem. And the, 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 the leader overlooked it, said, no, it's not a problem. 
God told me. And, and as this person got in position, they began to manifest a Jezebel spirit. They were brought into financial administration. A lot of times financial administrators will become Jezebelic because they get a place of authority and they think because I'm the governor over this, I'm in authority, but it's really not. It's a perverted sense of authority. And so this began to happen. Long story short, this person ended up leaving the ministry, causing a lot of problems. Now my boss, the person I gave the warning to is coming to me and crying. I can't say, I told you so. You should have listened to me. I'm so anointed. Why didn't you? I can't do that because they're in crisis mode. So I have to minister to them in crisis mode, try to help resolve the problem, which I knew was going to be a problem before it was a problem. Now, conversely, I've had people warn me about things. There were going to be a problem before it was a problem. I ignored the warning and it became a problem. One of the graces of prophets is sometimes you saw the problem before it came a problem, but now you got to strengthen and encourage the leader who's going through the problem you saw was going to be a problem, but they wouldn't listen to you challenging right so prophecy has a shamar anointing to it a watchman anointing churches and ministry centers hubs need shamar prophets we're not going to have regional revival and a move of god without some shamar prophets we need prophetic people who will guard the house in prayer who will guard the house in fasting who will guard the house in decree because attacks can be avoided and overcome many times by prophetic praise by prophetic insight I love what pastor said about we're not just worshiping for the room we're worshiping for the region we're worshiping for the territory we need prophetic insight we need prophetic intercession prophetic protection we must remember prophets and prophetic people are the eyes the ears and the feelers of the church locally and globally I say that prophets are like the ping warning system that God will begin to give a warning and sometimes you get a warning you don't know what to do with the warning well you begin to pray because the most elementary uh, portion of the prophetic anointing is prayer that all prophets must be intercessors and all prophecy must be covered and bathed in prayer we need to as apostolic people identify train establish and equip shamar prophets prophetic teams and councils now the word guard which is associated with shamar it means several things it means to protect Prophets who become mature in this become a protective agent in the church. It means to watch over, to stand guard, to secure, to defend, to shield, to shelter, to screen, to cover, to cloak, to preserve, to save, to conserve, to supervise. Listen to this. To keep under surveillance. Oh, I like that one. To control or keep under guard, to govern, to restrain, to suppress. We need to suppress the plans of the devil, the lies of the enemy, the attacks against the church. It means to suppress, to keep watch, to be alert, to take care. Some synonyms for guard is protector, defender, guardian, custodian, watchman, sentinel, sentry, patrol, and garrison. All of these words help us to visualize the, the watchman anointing in the church that God will speak to prophets and prophetic people about that which is to come or even the plans of the enemy. Sometimes you will get prophetic words for other people about what the enemy wants to do in their life. I never will forget I was pastoring a small church. I had a man in my church that was a businessman. I went to bed one night and I dreamed that, that he had a heart attack and died. I got up, I was so shaken. Now I understand many dreams are symbolic. They're not literal. I began to pray. In my dream, 
I was warning him about the activity that led to the heart attack. So I began to pray and the Spirit of the Lord said, I gave you this dream to show you what would happen if he doesn't bring some things in his life in order. I want you to begin to pray and I want you to go to him. Now I began to pray and I sensed very strongly not to go to him and say, hey, I had a dream about you, you had a heart attack and died. <laughs> Nobody's gonna be strengthened from that dream. Nobody's gonna be encouraged from that, but that's the dream I did have. Sometimes you gotta pray before you say. So I began to pray and the Lord said to go to him and, and, and talk to him about it. So I went to him and said, I have a very strange question. Do you have any kind of heart problem? Yes, actually the doctor just diagnosed me. This problem, that problem, this problem. I said, I had a word of warning about you. I didn't tell him what the full dream was. I said, you need to change your diet. You need to obey the doctor's instructions. You need to cut as much stress out as you can. And if you do these things, God is going to extend your life. But I feel this is urgent for you. His wife was there and she said, that's exactly what I've been praying. So we began to get an agreement that he would heed the warning of the Lord. And to my knowledge, he did for a season of time. And today he's still alive. He never had the heart attack. Amen. God showed me something that the enemy wanted to do. But had I went to him and said, hey, God told me you're going to have a heart attack and die. That would have robbed him of all of his faith. Sometimes how you deliver a Shamar word is very critical. And sometimes when you're working under somebody or you're in a support capacity, you might not be released in authority to just go and deal with the situation. And God will invite you to a place of intercession that you know something, but you're not in a capacity to do something about what you know. You've got to just pray. But again, prayer is what shifts things in the heavens. Amen. It's so critical. Another thing that the prophetic anointing does, and this is something people don't really think about, it creates momentum, and I want to explain this. Y'all know the scripture in 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. The, the Hebrew word prosper there is selak. It definitely means to prosper, to economically prosper, to prosper in your life, but it also means to break out or to break forth. And the word speaks of movement. Many times, like when we were gathered together, for those that were not here last time, uh, I began to talk about in Isaiah, the canopy of glory. We began to lift up pieces of fabric because oftentimes prophecy is not just words, it's action. It's, it's, it's conveying something in your life. So prophecy will create movement. Many times when you get around a prophetic house, a prophetic people, a prophetic anointing, and you've been stagnant and there's no movement, the spirit of prophecy will begin to create movement. That's one of the things I love about prophetic worship. When God begins to speak to us. Now, I, I have my own thoughts about prophetic worship. I believe prophetic worship is multifaceted. Sometimes we just think if we're being spontaneous, we're being prophetic. That spontaneous can lead to prophetic moments but prophetic worship to me is more than that because we see in the Old Testament constantly the song of the Lord the song of the Lord is twofold the song of the Lord typically was God singing over us Zephaniah says the Lord sings over us so one dimension of prophetic anointing is us singing over people what God is singing over them do you know there are songs for people we don't often see it, at least if we have seen it many times, it's not very well done. Sometimes it's like prophets who don't have a singing ministry and they try to do it. But I believe God wants to raise up Asaphs that literally begin to minister over people individual songs of the Lord. 
What is God prophesying over that person? What is heaven singing over your life today? And that's a dimension of prophetic worship and the psalmist anointing. And then there's a regional song. What is God singing over Boston? What's in heaven right now over Boston? How do we begin to connect with the sound over Boston? And we begin to take on heaven as it is in heaven and bring it to earth through singing and through music and through sound. And we begin to saturate a people. What is God singing over a church? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every church had its own prophetic culture? I'm thankful for, I mean, we have phenomenal songwriters. One of my spiritual daughters is Naomi Rain with Maverick Music, and I've known her for years. And I, she's one of the most brilliant songwriters I've ever known and has been way before Mav. She was writing phenomenal songs years ago. The first time I ever ministered with her, I walked into a service. I said, my God, her worship is saturated with prayer. We ended up eating after the service. I, I don't think I was the preacher, if I recall. And I said, where do you come from? You've got roots in houses of prayer because I hear prayer in your worship. She said, I've been leading worship at a house of prayer. I said, God is gonna fuse intercession and worship together. And we began to travel together and do things together. And uh, there was a very large network of churches that pushed very hard for her to connect with them and the Lord said no and when the Lord said no it was like all these doors closed but she kept believing God it's amazing what God will do for you when you just stay on the narrow road and you do what God says and it doesn't make any sense and people think you're crazy and why aren't you taking this opportunity and why aren't you going here and why aren't you going there and so I, I, I watched as she began to write these prolific songs and we need there are songs that are like anthems for the church that people write they're describing the moment Amen. I think when Corey Asbury wrote Reckless Love, that was just like a massive awakening to the love of God. Someone asked him, like, what was your royalty? I think he said one to two million dollars. I said, God, give me a song. I'm not a songwriter, but Lord, I'm available. <laughs> give me, wouldn't you like that? Give, give you the next Reckless Love song? Corey said, I'm just the happiest I've ever been in my life. I said, that's what one to two million dollars will do for you. Suddenly you just feel content, resting. You're not worried about the next song. But those are amazing songs. But oftentimes I believe that we become stuck in what is some other culture sound. Some other region sound. And we struggle to discern what's the song the Lord is singing over us. Zephaniah declares there's a sound there's a song of the Lord over us. Another dimension of prophetic worship is when a prophetic worship leader captures what's floating in the atmosphere in the hearts of the people that we, because we're not psalmists, can't seem to articulate properly in a corporate setting. And they begin to corporately and spontaneously lift up a song unto the Lord that speaks of what's being felt and experienced in that moment. Many times prophecies will be layer by layer. Sometimes psalmists will get a line or two lines. Well, don't retire those two lines if God's still breathing on them. Jenny Weaver and Adrian Bynum Terry sang. Well, Jenny says it was her song. She gets mad when I put Adrian's name in there too. She likes that Adrian helped sing it, but she said it was my song. They began to sing this, this little lyric, this little lick. Something just broke, broke wide open. And it was like for months, I would say, I know that was a special thing for that one moment, but could you just bring it back out because there's something on that. Many, many times I believe if we would just stay and linger in that space and sing it again, God would give a second line and a third line. And pretty soon a song would be written from heaven to describe what's going on in that moment in the lives and the hearts of the people of God. 
You know, the prophetic anointing creates momentum. When you get in a prophetic atmosphere, things that have been stuck in your life begin to move. It's not always what somebody prophesies to you. It's what God does in you that shifts you and moves you. And your life is changed after that happens to you. I've been in certain prophetic gatherings that shifted my life. I remember a number of years ago, Apostle John Eckhart was prophesying this word, reset. That's all it was, reset. But now when Apostle John gets something, like he'll preach that one thing for a year. He'll be like, I looked up the Hebrew. There's 50 Hebrew words that you could call reset. And Jehoshaphat, he talked about, I mean, he'll pull the, I'm like, my God, who would have known? But he had a reset conference in Houston, Texas. And I was one of the speakers of the reset conference. And this thing was planned in like two or three months time. It was very quickly planned. And about 4,000 and something hungry people showed up in Houston. And I will never forget the atmosphere of that gathering because it was the, the building was just infused with the presence of God. You couldn't stay in your seat. People were doing Jericho marches, flagging, waving banner. I mean, just, you know, prophetic people just get everything's prophetic. They're waving their purses. God said, I'm moving up in economy. <laughs> the craziest is prophetic people with jewelry, you know. Like somebody would be like, what do those beads mean? I one lady said, those are Buddha beads. I said, they're not Buddha beads. I do think that the Buddhists wear beads like this, but I didn't get mine from the Buddhists. I just like them. They don't mean anything. It's not deep. But prophetic people would be like, this, I got this. These rocks are from Israel, and the Lord spoke to me. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And I got this key, and it has the number eight on it, and it means Deuteronomy 818. God's bringing me into prosperity. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I bought this shirt at Zara. It was on the third level. It was the third shirt. And the Lord spoke to me. It is finished. So I bought this shirt. <laughs> right? And sometimes it's like, I can go with you most of the way, but now oh, you're out there. I'm just going to praise God for you and believe God is using you. Amen. But there was something in that atmosphere that was shifting the lives of people because the prophetic, as much as it's a revelation, it's also atmospheric. You get in that atmosphere and there's a salak, a breakout, a move. You sometimes don't even know what happened until you get home. You just know that something shifted in your life. I don't want to be amongst a group of people that are continually staying in the same season, the same revelation, the same sound. I want to move from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Thank God for what he did in 1999, baby, but it's not 1999 anymore. Thank God for what he did in 2020, but it's not 2020 anymore. I need a sound. I need a song. I need a decree for what God is doing in 2020. And 2021 and beyond we need the move of God in our midst as prophetic people we are not to be stagnated and stuck the prophetic anointing brings movement in your life and this is why the religious spirit hates the prophetic anointing because religious people are always scared you know isn't it amazing how much fear gets in people's lives well, I'm just scared. What if I interpret that tongue and I got the wrong thing? You, you think, oh, well, then God's going to get off the throne and resign from heaven and say it's over because Ryan got one word in his interpretation wrong. I mean, but that's how we are, right? Sometimes I will preach and people will say, that was the most phenomenal message. And I'm going home and I'm like, I preached too long, you know. 
because as a preacher, you just get in the flow, you like it. But sometimes you say something that you could have said in 30 minutes for an hour and you lost people in the second 30 minutes. You liked it, the deep people liked it, but there's a whole group of people that are like, I'm lost because I just don't have that attention span. And the enemy will, will sometimes speak to me and say, you know, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you didn't do this, you didn't do that. It, God said to me this, he said, I want you to tell my people you're enough. When you bring your gifts to me, even if you mess it up, you're enough. We need to stop feeling like if we mess up on something, it's the end of the world as we know it because it's not. God in his infinite wisdom before he even gave us the opportunity to mess up, knew we were going to mess up. And he'll use the mess up to help us and to help other people. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was running for vice president of the class. I would have ran for the president, but I got there three weeks late and I wasn't allowed to run because the, you had to be the vice president your first year to be president the second year. So I was running for vice president the second year and I went up to speak, but I was very intimidated by the director of the Bible college. She had a word of knowledge ministry and she would like look into you, but she like peer your soul. And she was the one introducing me and she was like looking at me. I got so scared of her that when I got to the stage, I tripped, I fell, I had to catch myself, almost knocked her back. I was like, I just want to sit down. But I made a joke out of it. And when I made a joke out of it, everybody liked it and they voted for me. And later, I was the only student ever asked to, to lead prayer because the, the, the leaders of the school always led prayer. And I asked the director, why did you ask me to lead prayer? And she said, I knew there was something special about you when you tripped, almost knocked me down, but you just got up, made a joke, and kept on going. God used what looked like a mistake as a promotion. And when you embrace the prophetic anointing, God will use what looks like a mistake as a promotion in your life. Amen? It causes momentum. I'm almost done. It also testifies of Jesus. Revelation 19.10. The spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus. I want to say something very edgy and very quick and move on from it. The Old Testament conceals the personhood of Jesus. So man had to build a dwelling place for God because God couldn't dwell in men because that would have killed men. Many, many times we prophesy through an Old Testament lens. Jesus made the most profound statement on the cross. It is finished. Many times we are prophesying Jesus being hidden when the whole objective of prophecy in the New Testament is the revealing. That we are to see him face to face. And a lot of times people are messed up in their theology because they think God's still mad at everybody. Jesus paid the price. We don't get under the new covenant what we deserve. We get what we can believe for. So as prophets, we should be revealing Jesus, not concealing him. Many times we're concealing him. And a lot of times I think we need to engage the thought of what is my theology and how is it impacting my prophecy? Because prophecy testifies of Jesus. If Jesus was standing here, what would his testimony be? Would his testimony be, well, you know, you're going to get the Holy Ghost at the Feast of Pentecost because I only move at certain times in the year. I'm asking a question. I want you to think about that. Would that be his testimony? Would his testimony be to a person who is struggling? You know, I don't, I don't love you. I'm mad at you because you're struggling and you need to get right. Would that be his testimony? I don't believe it would be. But many times we testify 
from an old covenant lens because most of the phenomenal prophetic occurrences that were just really big, amazing stories were in the Old Testament. But we've constantly got to understand Jesus is somewhere concealed because he had not yet been revealed in fullness. But we as new covenant prophetic people should be constantly revealing Jesus in our prophecy, in our prophetic function. And a lot of times we've got to change the way we think because if our lens is messed up, everything else will be messed up. Almost finished. The prophetic anointing prepares hearts for encounters. Ultimately, people need to have encounters with God. What happened this morning that changed the direction of the service? We started to have encounters with God. The prophetic anointing releases a realm of the miraculous. Elijah multiplies the widow's food. She's about to die. And Elijah said, if you sow this seed, the jar of meal will not run out and the jar of oil will not fail. Elisha, Elijah rather, raised the, de- the widow's dead son. The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came unto him again and he revived. Not the widow's, I'm sorry, the, the, the woman's dead son. Elijah raised her dead son. Everywhere the prophets went in the Old Testament, there was supernatural power. There was supernatural miracles. One of the dimensions of the prophetic is a miracle anointing. You get around the prophetic anointing, whether it's a financial miracle, a family miracle, a healing miracle, you will experience the miraculous activity of God in your life because you can't come into that prophetic realm and not experience the miraculous, amen? Now, I believe today God wants to stir in us the prophetic anointing. I believe God wants to activate. I mean, you're activated, but he wants to bring you up to another level of recognition of the prophetic anointing, that you would begin to move in these things we're talking about this morning, amen? I wanna pray, and then I wanna just begin to minister a few minutes before we finish up today. And yeah, I wanna pray. Father, and if the musicians could come, Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for your presence today. I thank you for your prophetic anointing that is in this place, in this church. I thank you for the wells that live in this house. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've opened up the well this morning, that you're stirring the hunger of your people. I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring faith this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring anointing this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring tenacity this morning. Father, we surrender to you in a fresh and a new way in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We're hungry and we're thirsty for your presence today. We're hungry and we're thirsty for your presence today. Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidgery is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.